Welcome to the Orion Podcast, hosted by Jessa and Laurel of A Stellar Co., a podcast that connects you with the knowledge and resources you need to drive a more conscious form of capitalism. Orion starts now. Hey, Laurel. Hey, Jessa. Who are our guests today? Our guests are Matt, Gabriella, and Henry from Ecopod. We're so grateful to have you here. I see Ecopod in the background. We're stoked to dive in. Jessa, how did we get in touch with Ecopod? How are we connected? Um, I'm actually really excited about this because you guys actually are our first, um, I'm pretty sure like our first like kind of cold introduction, if you will, where we didn't know you um, or hadn't done business with you ahead of time. And so I met, or I found Ecopod, I came across you guys, I should say, on Instagram. And I was posting on, because you know, a seller club, I'm trying to like keep us engaged in what's going on in the world. And there was a post, and I believe it was from somewhere in Europe, showing something like Ecopods about the refill stations. And I posted, wow, that would be so cool if we had it in the U.S. And Ecopod was like, knock, knock, we do. Hello, we're here. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And then I'd actually... Um, yeah, another friend had commented and we're like, this would be amazing. And then I went and looked, I was like, oh my gosh, this Ecopod is amazing. And I know you guys are based in Florida. And so this was, I haven't seen anything like this where we live in Southern California. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I just haven't seen it. And right. so Gabriella, I don't, are you the one managing the Instagram? Yes, I think? I am. Okay, that's right. right. Now that I think about it. So I reached out, like, we would love to feature you on Orion where we talk about this stuff and here you are. So welcome. Thank you guys for Thank you. Yeah, for, for our listeners who can't see the video, there's the EcoPod refill station behind the team. And I'm just really excited to also say that when I was telling my friends and family that we were going to have this podcast for this refill station, every single one of them was was saying, why don't we have one? I want one. Why don't we have one? I want one. So I feel like, come on, join us. We're all going to get one in, in California. Yes. 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 Yeah. We, um, I don't know. Would you guys want to go ahead and ask any questions? Or we just, you... we're good. We got it. Okay. <laughs> just kidding. So, yeah. Well, I would love to hear about your story, like how you came about with Ecopod and the concept and just what your backgrounds are. Cause like you were saying, you kind of have a, a different background than we might expect looking at Ecopods. So what, what brought you to here today? Yes, sure. So I, I guess I'll kick it off. Uh, uh, my name's Henry Pino and I am the inventing founder and operator of Ecopod along with, with Matt Gown. And um, basically we um, our, um our livelihood primarily is we're uh, in the real estate world um presently uh and um one of the things that really uh helped me with this concept was actually started many years ago uh i would tell you probably like about 25 26 years now uh when i get out of college uh looking for a for a job um you know as a young person i took the first one that offered you the best benefits in a car right so that, that company ended up being one called Ecolab. And Ecolab is an international uh, institutional detergents company. And they provide, uh, you know, like laundry products for hospitals and hotels and uh, 
um, anything having to do with large amounts of laundries being washed. And also they do a lot of uh, kitchen uh, detergents uh, uh, for the dishes and the silverware and all that. Again, they're very large. I'm sure you've seen their trucks around where you guys live. So I went to work with them, uh, learned that business pretty well, uh, just like any sales account, executive servicing accounts. But like two or three years into it, uh, or actually even less, um, I said to myself, you know, I can do this on my own. You know, this is something that I can, I just need to figure out how to make these products because I didn't have a, a chemistry background. But nonetheless, very mechanically inclined always. And so went ahead and uh, hired a chemist, started hitting the library and learning about surfactants and uh, a lot of names that I'd never heard in my life. Uh, as far as even spelling them. But nonetheless, um, I uh, did a lot of reading. And it's easy to read when you're enjoying it, you know, you're sucking it up. And, and so uh, learned the formulations, put them to work, uh, and then started in a very small little space, which was the garage of my home at the time. And again, uh, just started visiting a lot of the accounts that I used to have because my uh, non-compete had been already expired and all of that. So I started picking up business because I had I had no overhead basically. So I was able to offer these products at a much cheaper price. But most importantly, I had the background already of how to make these products. Uh, a lot of headaches, like et cetera. And then... Um, Bottom line is prior to selling the company a couple years after, after it had done pretty good, before I actually sold it, I did come up with the EcoPod oh. concept. But at that period, the environment wasn't the issue it is today. You know, it, it's just uh, something that uh, was not in anybody's mind, right? So, um, what, what time frame was that around? Like when, when you came up with the concept of EcoPod? Wow. I, I would tell you like 93, like maybe. Wow. Uh, yeah, like 1993. And um, so never forgot about it. Uh, you know, obviously the formulations of the products themselves, it's kind of like when you ride a bike, you never forget because it took you so long to learn, you know, when you fell. And so um, when the recession hit prior to this one, um, me being in the real estate business and uh, not generating any income, I said, well, I got to do something. I have a family. So I said, well, uh, time to hit the, uh, the detergents industry again. And but I said to myself, this time the environment is an issue. And so, uh, again, like I said earlier, I'm very mechanically inclined. I have, but nonetheless, I still hired a software engineer and a hardware engineer. And so we went to work and by the um, middle of 2011, we had the first prototype, a working EcoPod. After a lot of testing and a lot of uh, uh, coding and just a lot of work, you know, nothing happens overnight as you know. So um, went ahead and uh, put one to work. But uh, what ends up happening in the delay of filing for a patent is that the real estate world starts coming back after the Great Recession. And again, this one over here was a little kid and had to pay for her tuition and all that, kind of, all that good stuff. And um, so EcoPod kind of takes a back seat and becomes more like a hobby, you know. 
But long story short, in 2017, September, after filing for a patent with the patent attorneys and all that, we received our patent. And uh, to me, it was great because it, it looked like a diploma. You know, it has like, a United States patent, you know, uh, office with a gold seal on it. I was very excited, you know, and had my name. And so, you know, it's like I'm, I'm somebody, you know. And uh, you already were something, yeah. <laughs> oh, just, you know, so much hard work that's kind of like the trophy, I guess, right? Yeah, a true so, inventor, <laughs> yeah, you know. And so, um, after I had that, um, social media is amazing, um, because what ends up happening is, uh, and let me back up, um, the buildings that I develop are large buildings. Uh, they usually have at least two to 300 units and they discharge an enormous amount of trash. So I said, wait a second, maybe the EcoPod is perfect for these buildings that I'm building. And I have the test grounds to do it because I own these buildings. Yeah. So, um, nothing, I approval process. <laughs> yeah. So I use the tenant kind of like little, uh, uh, you know, like, like testing people, you know, to test the product. <laughs> And uh, again, uh, installed them, uh, learned a lot about um, the systems, actually having people using them. But the concept was have the systems there 24 seven. Doesn't matter if you had, you worked a night shift and you get up and you wanted to do your laundry, but you ran out of detergent or you wanted to do the dishes and you didn't have a detergent or you wanted to clean your rug or whatever it was, the system's always in the building, right? So when we uh, start getting all of these um, um, people interested in it, uh, Gabby here starts putting it on social media. And all of a sudden the world changed uh, because we start getting a lot of interest from other companies who manufacture products uh, to inquire about the technology for the use of their, you know, their, uh, of, uh, of their products. And so, you know, we've dealt with, and we're still dealing with them, uh, with all the top, um, as they call it, CPG companies, consumer product good companies, like the Unilevers of the world, and the Procter & Gamble's, and the Colgate Palmolive's, and the Estee Lauder's, and it, it goes on and on. And a lot of supermarket chains, which we can, we can supply directly, because we not only manufacture, like I said, the EcoPod, but we also have a great line of product that we manufacture. And before any EcoPod hit the, um, the street, we wanted to make sure that the products were very good because we wanted to, to convey and, and for people to see that, yeah, it's a great concept, but the products are terrible. We didn't want that to happen. So um, again, we have the ability to go straight into the retailers, uh, which makes our expansion a lot faster. So uh, um, if it hadn't been for COVID, which has delayed every, everything in the world, uh, we'd be in a lot of very well-known uh, public company retailers, uh, but it's been delayed, but it hasn't stopped us. You know, we're, we, we recognize that the world continues to go and uh, a lot of retailers have embraced us. And that's basically, I guess, my, my, my side of the story. I could go on for a while, but... <laughs> You know, it's uh, it's the summary pretty much. Yeah, that's amazing. I love it. I love that you, and I think it's such a great entrepreneurial journey is that you had this idea and it stuck with you for so long and just yeah. that thing you couldn't shake. And nope. it's, I think it's one of those things too, you always look back and be like, well, what it, 
you, you can't have that. What if, like, what if I didn't do it? Like, let's try it, go for it. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. That's a, it's so Ecopod, you know, I realized that like, we all know what it is and we can see it. And so if you're listening and not watching, um, or even if you're watching, you haven't experienced, cause like I said, we're in Southern California and this is uh, very new to us. It, I mean, it's effectively like a vending machine for liquid cleaning products or like household products. And you bring your own like reusable receptacle to, to bend it into yeah, personal care and home care. And so the way that, um, like depending the platform, like if we're in a building, we provide a startup kit at no charge for the tenant, uh, be it a condo owner or a renter. And they have the kit, which includes five to six of the basic products that you use for your home. When they run out, then the system is in their building 24 seven and they refill it. Costs them a lot less, it's extremely convenient. And number one, you're helping the environment because you're not throwing away the plastic. That's, that's that platform. The next platform is going into the retailers um, where the masses are of people that go to shop and they're there to shop for cleaning products or personal care products. And, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but we have been also testing and we'll show you the, the, the systems we have. We can even dispense a lot of food products uh, up to like mayonnaise, very hygienically. Uh, so we're able to eliminate up to 59% of all liquid type products, no matter how viscous in a hygienic fashion with the system. Wow. And I just saw the post, are you talking about this, the power of social media, the post about the Hershey syrup? Yeah, and yeah, sure. yeah. And Cause I've been following you guys and I was thinking soap detergent. And then when I saw that, I was like, Oh my gosh, you guys have, it was so yeah. much potential and opportunity. And it's just, it's such a relief. Um, yeah, that there's an option. Like, working on this. <laughs> yeah, the biggest issue is that everybody wants to do something, but they don't have the tools to do it. You know, so we're happy that we now have, we've come up with a tool that we can install probably in every aisle of every product. Uh, and you can decide either you bring back the container that you bought the product in originally in, uh, and you refill it and you actually save money because a lot of people don't realize container mm -hmm. is almost as expensive as the product inside. And the distribution to get it there is also very expensive. Mm -hmm. So we're cutting all of these costs. And um, it's fantastic for the, uh, for the user because, they're, again, it's a no-brainer. You know? The only thing is you have to remember is to bring your little, uh, you know, little EcoPod, uh, I guess, a carry-on uh, bag or whichever way you want to do it with your empties and you refill them at the store. Yeah. And it's, it's really convenient because... Um, I was telling my husband about this. He's British. He's from England. They have this in Asda. And um, when I was like, oh, we don't have it in California. He's like, this is, it's already being done in other places. Like, why is this not where we live? Because yeah. we live in the ocean. We have a waste problem. We have a landfill problem. We have a plastic. Like, we have so many problems. Sure. And as Jessa said earlier, it's such a relief yes. to know that this exists. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yes. for taking the initiative and doing it. And I'm assuming part of the inspiration for Ecopod was also that you are from, well, you live in Florida by the coast. Sure. And so what sort of environmental changes uh, did you see that you're responding to and reacting to? And like, what's your vision for the environment given like every um, building and every grocery store has an Ecopod in the future? Sure. Yeah. Well, look, we, like you said, we we're on the coast. And where we see it a lot is in sea level rise, right? Um, 
and that a lot of folks don't realize that uh, that just uh, the sea level rise doesn't just happen from the emissions of, of fossil fuels. It comes from also the plastic, the burning of plastics that go into the, you know, into the environment. And the faster that the ice melts, the faster the ocean goes up. So me as actually a, as a builder, I, I witness it firsthand because you see the water, you know, you see the table come up and when we have storms, uh, it floods even faster. Um, so here uh, they call it ground zero really for sea level rise because here um, even the insurance companies are starting to underwrite their insurance a little different because of the construction and they're having to change like code and elevations where you start construction at. So it's impacting everywhere. It really is. Uh, you know, Miami is very close to Miami Beach. Uh, they've installed all kinds of huge generators, uh, not generators, diesel engines that are pumps to try to alleviate the, um, the flooding of the streets because of that. And mm -hmm. So it all comes together, you know. Um, we all have to play a part in it, but you can't play a part if you don't have the tools. And that's what we're trying to bring. We're trying to give the tools that are needed, uh, not just for our products at all, it's for everybody. It's for Procter & Gamble, it's for Unilever, it's for Colgate-Palmolive, everybody. Um, you go into the supermarket and you say, well, try to find something that's not in plastic, and it's pretty hard, you yeah. know, unless it's wine or something, you know, everything's yeah. like plastic, yeah. It, we realize that, you know, refill technology is not the sole answer. If you think about it today, manufacturers are working really hard to come up with alternative packaging, and they also, you know, uh, recognize that, you know, they want to use more recycled plastic, we see, you know, the refill technology is it, it'll be relatively, you know, new here in the U.S. So and ultimately other countries. But we see it as, you know, a part of solving the overall plastics problem because it's it's beyond an environment pro problem. It's a healthcare problem. If you think about, you know, some of the statistics you're hearing or reading about today, um, there was a study done in Germany, uh, the Robert Cook Institute. They took. Uh, 2,500 children between the ages of three and uh, 17, and 97% of them had plastic in their system. So that ought to be extremely, you know, concerning. alarming and concerning to everyone. Um, and, you know, there's so much microplastic in the ocean, you know, that, that there's supposedly there's more microplastic than there are stars in the Milky Way. Think about that, you know. So, you know, we're, we're trying to be part of solution and we're trying to bring something forward as fast as we can because we know there certainly is the interest and it'll help. Correct. Agreed. We, and the anecdote about, you know, when storms come, it, it floods in the beach communities. I live in Ocean Beach, San Diego. When the storms happen, our streets flood. And for those of you that don't live on the coast, we've got the tides, the rain over the land. It runs off on our impermeable surfaces like our roads. Yes. And it goes into the storm drain system. The storm drains in California, much like I think in Florida, they're not treated. So it's not like the water that goes in the storm drains gets pumped to a treatment facility, gets treated, and then pumps out to the ocean. Right. Whatever rain goes on the street and goes in the drain goes straight to the ocean. So mm -hmm. there's no filtering and it goes straight out. Conversely, when there's a storm surge with water in the ocean, the waves get into the storm drain system and push everything up into the residential areas and back into the streets. So you'll get back flooding 
as well as the pollution from the streets and everything just fills up. So you can imagine when we have a bad rain event in Ocean Beach, similar to Miami Beach, there's plastics floating around in the water, cigarette butts floating around, and we're walking through it, driving through it, and it goes everywhere, and it's it's horrible. And we are having the same experience in California where our building codes are changing. We're not allowed to build yeah. you know, close to the ocean anymore. And so what do we do with property values? You know, when yeah. you've got the $14 million mansions mm-hmm. overlooking the beach and they can't resell the property and they can't upgrade it because they can't get a building permit. Yeah, more it's a, it's a humongous problem. Climate change impacts our actual daily life, and because we live on the coast and we see it all the time, it it has more of an impact. So there are many of us who are like, like we've hoarded our laundry detergent bottles in our basement, and we're like, I want to be able to refill it. Um, that was my COO. He's <laughs> for, for uh, Christmas break in Texas. Um, anyway, the, the point of the, the story was that we, we really, really, really see it happen on a regular basis. And so you're eco-minded when you're by the ocean anyway. So for, for sorry to cut you off, but like to add to what you're saying, um, you know, how much this impacts us on the coast. I always think, I always think of like the surfers, like you can't go in the water. There's advisories after it rains because it's so unhealthy. And so in addition to maybe losing your fourteen million dollar mansion, <laughs> wow. the wider spread for those who have it is this surf advisories, which is is mind blowing. That the water, the level, the health and quality of the water is like you. We were talking about this before you went live. It's a public health issue that you can't go into the water because of the pollution. And it's like you don't think about that in a country like the U.S. about how advanced yeah. we are. Like we should have solutions and we do now. <laughs> well, you know what? There's so many solutions. It's just not implemented uh, to be quite honest. I mean, look uh, in the seventies uh, when I was growing up and going to the supermarket with my parents, for example, everything was either in glass or in aluminum or in cardboard. Right. And, and for me, it was actually fun because I remember returning the Coke bottles to the store and getting the, the, the refunds because they would give you money back, you know? So as a kid, we would do that. But if uh, the reason plastic comes along and we don't have the glass around anymore is because plastic is lighter and it's easier to ship around in trucks. They waste less fuel and it's just more of a distribution issue. Sure. So, you know, plastic has now been in, in, in circulation at, at this level for probably, I guess, like 40 or 50 years, right? Yes. Eh, maybe a little less than 50, but between 40 and 50. And it's only taken that amount of time to get to where we're at. You can imagine. I don't. I don't even want to. We don't, we don't want to think about yeah. their trajectory. Yeah, because in the future, <laughs> we don't do something about. Yeah, what you right. see on the surface is no comparison to what's already buried in the ocean floor. You know, six yeah. feet below. This this reminds me of an anecdote. You were saying, well, I don't want to see what it's happening so fast. It's aggrandizing so quickly. I don't want to see what the future is going to hold. This kind of. Reminds me of, I'm watching The Crown, the series on Netflix, The Crown, and the thing that Queen Elizabeth, the Queen has witnessed over her her reign, one of them was a huge environmental disaster that happened in Aberfan in Wales, where the coal mine tailings were so high, and when it rained, the tailings slid down the side of the mountain and buried, you know, children alive in in a middle school, and that happened before our Clean Water Act, Clean Air Act, CEQA and NEPA environmental regulations in the United States. 
And so they took action and made Clean Air Act and Clean Water Act and environmental regulations in England far before we did in the United States. So I'm just thinking, like, what would the future of the Crown Netflix series be in, in, you know, 20 years when she's still around and she experiences a microplastics or a plastics problem in, in England and we're taking so long to respond when it's like, they, they already have the ecopods over there. They already try to use refill stations. They already have co-ops and all of these systems. Why is it taking Americans so long to address some of the environmental problems? Is it just because our scale in England, you can fit like three and a half Englands in, in California? Or like, what's the, what's the reason why Americans haven't adopted these tools as quickly as some of the other countries? You, you know, I think one of the things is there's a lot of us that thought recycling was the answer. So you'd see that little triangle on the package and what you believed was I'm doing my part because I'm very conscientious. I'm cognizant of the plastics problem. I'm using my recycling bin. But then you find out and learn that only 10 percent of what you think is being recycled is actually recycled. So for perspective, you know, there's 300 million tons of plastic made a year and only 273 million tons. Uh, or I should say those 273 million tons wind up in the landfill or the ocean, or, or get burned, as Henry said before, which creates, you know, other problems. Yeah. So I, I think that's part of the reason that we've, we've all been, I hate to say, but hoodwinked a little bit on the whole recycling solution. And then when you think about companies, if you go on any of their websites, and believe you me, I mean, I was 36 years with Procter & Gamble, a, a very, uh, you know, an incredible company and had a great experience. They all have sustainability goals for the next 10 years. And they all have, you know, they're trying to rework packaging, as I said, and and they're trying to use recycled plastic. Um, the, the problem is it's just not happening fast enough. You know, the crisis is now. And and so uh, we feel there's a lot of built up, you know, uh, tension in the system. And so refill technology can really come on very, very strongly and make a positive impact. Yeah. And, and another thing that's unfortunate, you know, uh, the U.S., has the largest economy in the world, as we know. And these public companies are all about generating dividends for their investors, right? And so unfortunately what happens is that retooling for them and doing things differently and getting involved in Equipods and having changing the way that they've been doing business costs a lot of money for them. And so it would be, you know, it would be a challenge for them to do so. Uh, and I think that that's one of the big reasons also that you don't see it happening fast enough. I mean, the we get resistance, believe us, we get resistance, even though that this is the best thing that there is. And they just, uh, first of all, they're, they're programmed in a certain fashion. Uh, the ones that, uh, that, that operate on a day-to-day -day basis are all about dividends and dividends and dividends and dividends. And so uh, changing that mentality is enormous when these companies are so big, unless you have the resources to deal with them, you know? And so we're, we're fortunate that we, we can. Agreed. Thank you. I mean, we were part, I'm, I'm sure Jessa was thinking of saying the same thing. I know. Thing. I was like, we need another three hours with you guys, I think. <laughs> <laughs> So. We're, we're thrilled to have you bring up that note about, you know, maximizing the short-term returns for shareholders being the primary um, business model for many large corporations in America. 
And, you know, we're a part of the stakeholder capitalism movement where we believe in maximizing value for all stakeholders involved and elevating the role of the environment to the level of a stakeholder. And I see Ecopod as a stakeholder focused organization uh, business because you're thinking you're very thoughtful and strategic about every part of your supply chain, who you're serving and why. And you can be a profitable business. Yes. While taking care of your people and your planet. So tell us a little bit more about how you take care of your people. Obviously you take care of the planet by eliminating plastic from the system and, and how you maybe change people's minds who, who do give you resistance, who do operate on the old business models. Like what are some of the strategies you employ in, in your discussions to sort of change people's mindset? Uh, unfortunately, a lot of it is money, you know, uh, you know, it, it, you know, a startup business uh, of this category of this nature entails investment to make it work. These systems behind us are smart systems or computers, and they're basically, um, how can I say, um, uh, you know, they're they're they're, they're made uh, to to help you know people again, like I always said, have the tools. You know, to 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 have to, to for somebody like us to go ahead and invest them in at the level that we've invested in them, you know, and that's the primary um, goal, I would say. But you know, we have a lot of other things that really make a difference for us. Is we're starting from ground zero, knowing that we're helping the environment. You know, the bulk containers that supply and refill are made out of fiber cardboard, for example. You can throw them away like a box. Um, and those things are crushed, and uh, again, they dissipate. You know, so again, Matt, you know, I yeah, don't... yeah, and and I think you know, just from uh, our our company starting out, you know, trying to be very, uh, first of all, have like-minded employees, people that care about the environment. Gabby has done so much; she's really the glue of this. You know, I was thinking about before Gabby, I think we have all these star personalities on the call. <laughs> You know, one of the things that she has spearheaded is, um, you know, being outwardly active in things like Clean Miami. So just a week ago or so. So we partnered with Clean Miami Beach and Rotary Club Miami and Brickell um, to do a beach cleanup. And we actually collected 320 pounds of uh, waste. Yeah. Wow. But so one of the, yeah, but one really of the interesting weird. things, excuse me for interrupting, is that the Clean Miami Beach organization said, you know what's sad about this? And it was, we're just picking this thing up and it's going from here to another place. Wow. Yeah. Yes. It's just like tidying one oh, area. Yeah. So it kind of hit me and I was right. like, wow, this is a waste of time. Yeah, we realized it's, <laughs> it's sort of like, you know, whack-a-mole. You know, you hit the mole overhead and it pops up over here. But But the point is... Gabby continues to be our conscious to make sure that everything we do, you know, the, the, the ingredients we use in our own products, how we, uh, you know, try to sustainably source parts for the hardware, everything, you know, that, uh, you know, she's like the Jiminy Cricket on our shoulder telling us, Hey, you really need to make sure that you're doing this. Yeah. So Gabby, Gabby, what are some of your, your proudest moments in um, improving the supply chain and being thoughtful about the the product itself and its delivery and how it gives back. Like, what are maybe some of the three three top three things you're most proud of that you've had an impact on in the business? 
Um, I would say just here in house is the fact that I'm able to see what's going on, like what's going into the products, where it's going, how it's being packaged. Um, and just basically being here, just in completely involved. We even have a recycling, pro re oh, sorry, recycling program in the office and I'm trying to encourage everyone to recycle and teach them about it. Um, so it's just really being able to be here and involved in the entire process is how I keep control of the supply chain. Yeah. Like the awareness. Right. Yeah. You got, you got the Gabby eyes on everything. Yeah. Yeah. To us, you know, that <laughs> she, she knows about it a lot and she laughs at me when I get on the phone and I try to do my stuff, but social media has been a godsend for us. <laughs> You know, because it got out, it, it got the, uh, it got us in the offices of Unilever. It's got us in the offices of Procter and Gamble. It's gotten us with Colgate Palmolive. You know, it, otherwise, who knows? We might have never, you know, been able to get in front of them. And having the support of all of our followers, and they see this because they see the numbers, and they see these thousands and thousands of people saying, "Are you in Tennessee? Are you in Texas? Right. Are you in New York?" When are you guys coming over here? What's taking so long? It's for me, it's very frustrating because I'm a business, you know, I wanna I wanna get it there. But they see this information and uh it's been because of her, you know, so it's been great. Yeah. So Gabby, could um can you maybe talk some more about some of the like I, I guess I have two questions for probably Gabby first is like who are some of the local partnerships? Because I know you guys have some pretty powerful regional uh partnerships supporting the EcoPod initiative and then um, maybe following on that with some people who are like, you're naming a bunch of really big names, like who's already like implementing these into their buildings or shops or whatever. So we have one at a farm stores, which is kind of like a convenience store. It's a drive through. They have them in New Jersey, um, Arizona, I believe. Um, but that's here locally. We have some in their convenience stores. We also have FIU, Florida International University, um, in one of their dorms, their off-campus dorm buildings. We have a machine there. Um, and then we have them in the apartment buildings and... Shopping centers. Shopping, we have one in a shopping center, like a retail center. Um, so that one's really easy. You just drive up, get off, refill, and get back in your car. Um, and then as far as we... Have them all over and... and um, areas of the um of uh, broward county which is north of miami in buildings there also but again um the biggest uh success story we have and right now we're under unfortunately an nda agreement and we can't disclose who it is but we're gonna, we we're signed up with a chain that has 553 stores and they go all the way up to I think it's Virginia or something. Virginia, like right. and they're very teasers on social media and following. I'm like, who is it? Who is it? <laughs> I wish I could I could, you know, uh, say it to expedite the process, but they, they've been very proactive, even with this whole COVID thing going on. They, yeah. they 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 like the fact that contactless has been a big deal now. So if there's a container and you're taking it home with you and you're bringing it back, nobody else has touched that. You know, so uh, they're being innovative. But then what's happened is we've started to get a lot of other chains. Uh, this is a copycat. Everything's a copycat industry, right? They got it. It's going well. So, we're, you know, we're hoping to be in as many chains as we can. Um, and, um, and either with our products, you know, 
uh, or dispense the products of the Procter and Gambles of the world that they want to participate in those stores. But at the end of the day, nothing is stopping us from moving forward because we have both, both um, we have the formula, the machine and the actual products and the logistics. Yeah, I would say that sets you apart from other similar yeah. technology is you, your, your culture, your brand. And, and so who would be your dream, aside from the group you're under NDA with, who would be like your dream store or building to be the primary vendor for? And or who would be your favorite partner? And like, if you're thinking globally. Globally, probably, I would say Walmart. Yeah, I, I hate to name one at the risk yeah, of yeah, yeah, you know offending one some of the others, but but actually the business guy is saying who has the most stores globally. Yeah, <laughs> which is good. That's where you can make the most impact. And the neat thing about it is we have patents in eighty percent of Walmart's footprint, so that's a very big positive all the way around. But uh, we we have uh, a couple of very large uh, chains outside of this country. So next week, as an example, we have some calls coming up. So, you know, again, you know, there, there's uh, we kind of see it as the sky's the limit. I mean, if you said what would our dream position be, it would be to have Ecopod. And this sounds very, uh, you know, audacious, but ubiquitous. Have it everywhere. Think of Ecopod as a mailbox. If I asked you, where, where do you mail a letter? You might say, oh, I go walk down the, the street right at the corner. There's a mailbox. Well, we'd like to be able to say, and next to that mailbox, there's an ecopod, and it literally is in the drugstore, or it's you know, it's accessible where people are. Right. It's your yeah. Bag. <laughs> you know, it, yeah, yeah, it's great for auto parts stores, for example, it pumps, motor oils, antifreeze, uh, windshield cleaner, armor all, and these could be outside the store where they're twenty four seven. If the store is closed. Uh, they could refill it, or they can also have one inside and one outside. Um, they have various ones. So it, again, it's endless. You know, the, the use yeah, of sky's the limit. We think about like ATMs, and I think about um, in uh, like larger grocery chain stores, they have like the key makers or lottery card <laughs> dispensers or the Coin Star. I mean, they are. it's so. It seems very doable, even though you say it's audacious. Like it seems that um, I'm excited to see where you guys go. I guess. Yeah, and yeah, and so, can you right now, today, could you get an EcoPod anywhere? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, yes. So, someone, for example, like a lot of our supporters are in like Southern California. So, um, could they pick up the phone if they're interested? And there, there's no regional or geographic uh, roadblocks, other than like you know shipping. But. Yeah. Well, you know, cool. obviously, if we if we want to send it maybe to a country who has a tariff issue, maybe like that's the only you know, like when you send a yeah. yeah they have but other than that, it's very simple because the machines are very user friendly, and so the service people. It's not like we have to have a, a specific EcoPod service person there. There's folks who either repair appliances or anything that could be our service people, and uh, we basically subcontract them, and they become our representatives in that area. So. We don't have any limitation whatsoever. So uh, how does it work with pricing? Like, for example, I'm just throwing this out there. Like, if there's a regional, let's say there's a store here in San Diego, because that's what I know, and they sure. wanted one, do they buy it from you, or is it like a contracted, like a rental? It's like, a rental. It's like a rental. Okay. It's a, yeah, it's a leased machine. We provide the service, and they just use our products. 
And know, do they get any revenue off of that? Oh, yes, of course. Okay. Yeah, basically they're getting to put the products at a wholesale price and they're marking them up and they're, and they're generating the income. Got it. And then you'll need local people to service it. So you'd create jobs wherever that. That is correct. Yeah. You know, and the, probably our best, best partner is somebody who has um, a good network already, you know, that might have, that's a chain. Um, we, not that we shy away from them, but we really, it's, it's, it's difficult just to send one machine to one individual who's going to use it as a startup to try to make it, make it a go. We, we want to be able to start at a level that it can make it an immediate impact at a higher level, you know? So that's important. Yeah. I want, I want your product at the home depots. The yeah. Lowe's. Everywhere. And, and I like the idea. I didn't even put it together that the like auto repair industry would be a great sector because um, refilling and reusing those containers is, is more beneficial for us than sending it to the landfill. Cause in many places, it's considered hazardous materials, and the fee to transport and dispose of has waste um, it varies by state and can get very expensive. And so, uh, being able yeah. to reuse your containers is a huge cost savings that that an establishment could pass on to the consumer, yes. and, or be like a revenue generator for the business to bring in another business line. Or make it into a give back program. So, like any additional margin beyond what they were anticipating in their business model is something they could maybe give back to beach cleanups, to to something else. I just see that the EcoPod, um, wherever the EcoPod goes, is like a mini economic development opportunity. Correct. Correct. Very well put. You know, we've actually had folks from schools contact us and say, "Hey." Can you put some of these uh, in our in our schools so the kids can bring their containers from home? Because the kids are very conscious of you know what's going on. They're taught more than um, you know none of us were when we were at school at that age. So it'd be pretty neat, you know, to have uh, these systems in the schools where their kids are asking their moms, "Hey, you need anything refilled today?" Uh, and the kids are actually helping out, you know. Yeah, I have like I'm I. I feel a need to connect you to the University of California Regents system because they have um, a carbon neutral goal, zero carbon and huge waste reduction goals as a UC network themselves across the state of California. And it would be great to have one in every UC school. I mean, the environmental movement in California, of course, is very strong in Berkeley and throughout the state. But in Santa Barbara, the Bren School, that's basically where our environmental management industry kind of was born. And to have an ecopod at all those universities, I think would be a really uh, streamlined way of kind of growing and expanding. And it's in total alignment with California's goals, totally in alignment with the kids these days, if you will, us younger millennials and, and the new ones coming along. And I can kind of see it organically growing out from there. And and here in California, we just love supporting businesses that align with our climate goals because that shows that you can be the world's fifth largest economy and be very successful and productive and take care of the environment That's and right. create jobs. That's right. And, 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 and like, like it's possible to compound that value. It is. Agreed. It is. Yeah. yeah innovation in anything is always very good, you know, um, because again, like you said, it's a new technology creates jobs, you know, and so it, we agree a hundred percent. 
Yeah, yeah that's that's nice. as you're talking about, and I was like thinking about the title, like consumers, how can we reduce our plastic waste is like the kids are doing what consumers should be doing, which is demanding better. And yes. so now that we know, like you said, like we know there are options is, and we've talked about this on our podcast before, is like reach out to the brands you like, because they might not know there are options. They might have their head down or they may just be doing what they do day to day, but you make enough noise and you get yeah. enough people in front of you, like you can really drive that change. Like we, we don't have to put up with the status quo and just say, well, this is the way it is. Like reach out to these grocery stores and the shops that you support, the universities, your dorm rooms. Like I'm thinking about apartment buildings, like you said, that I've lived in and how many times I've gone to the laundry room. I'm like, I need detergent. Like it's genius. And it's such a part for like both sides. And so I just you know, really want to drive that home is like if, if kids at schools are able to make enough noise to drive demand in schools, like consumers who actually generate income and have the money to spend in the economy, like demand better from the places you're supporting. Yeah. Now we have a couple elementary schools on standby that when the first system goes into the one that we signed the NDA with, we want to be there to to like cut the ribbon, you know, to say, oh, oh. the first uh, EcoPod hits, the first mainstream, you know, in the United States. It's going to be a big deal for us and obviously the rest of the country, I think. That's so exciting. We we can't wait until that. And you're out of the other side of that NDA and we'll definitely be watching on social media for a sure. big announcement. Yeah. As a, as a real estate family, um, you know, I, I would love to introduce you to some of the large developers, you know, in California that are creating these buildings because we have a building code sure. um, in California and in local jurisdictions that streamline or waive permit fees if you have waste reduction measures such as EcoPod. And so developers don't really know this that much. Um, and so if you, you you speak that language and you've got your EcoPod, you come in with a solution and it streamlines their permit fees and gets their project built faster. Yeah. It's yeah, a yeah. win, 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 win. Yeah. I can yeah. see yeah. all new development in California having an EcoPod. We want to, a certain we want to approach the LEED certification program and see if they yeah. would allow us to give us points for the buildings that do have this for the developer. And the developer is going to say, well, why not? It's not costing me anything. And, you know, I'm getting points for my building. So, um, again, like you said, it's a win, 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 win. Keeps on going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great. There's and just to give our non-California listeners some, a little bit of perspective of why that's important is because there are some jurisdictions in the state of California where all new development must be lead something certified. Correct. Or at least the public agency themselves when they're constructing a new facility or new campus. And now in California with affordable housing being developed by the by the state government and local government, yes. they must be like, I think it's lead gold or above. Uh, it varies by jurisdiction. But regardless, if you approach the U.S. Green Building Council and the, the lead certification managers and say, like, here's the solution on the platter. And then yep. that way, when the, the big dense affordable housing projects get constructed. It's already built in that they've got EcoPod and then the low income families can afford to use it. Cause oftentimes the cheapest solution that low income families have at their disposal is just buying plastic dishwash liquid, plastic laundry detergent. It's the cheapest, most convenient and affordable way. Well, if these affordable housing complexes have an EcoPod, then 
the ones that can't afford to do it can because it's a part of the housing project already. Right, right, right. You know, we um, we have a great relationship with the local governments and the what we call the South Florida portion, which is the three counties. And so one of the mayors approaches me one day and says, you know, this would be great for the senior housing buildings because those folks are elderly and sometimes they can get, yeah, they're, you know, they're concerned about the environment, but they're, you know, they, they don't want to walk far away and they, they want to save money. So this is a great program for them. So why don't you try to approach, you know, the head affordable uh, director and get approved? And that can happen in every city in the country, all over the world, actually. I want, I selfishly, because my future might entail having children, I would love to have an EcoPod dispense baby food, please. That would be yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, they can do it. Those <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it is amazing. It's so, I love talking with you guys in more detail about this. It's just, like you said, like the, there's so many possibilities in so many industries. And I think so many people listening are in their world thinking, what about this? What about that? Because we all kind of bring the perspective of what we know and, you know, being like Matt, like CPG and like Gabby and Henry being in like real estate. It's like, we all know these worlds. Laurel, if you don't know this, because I don't know if we mentioned as an environmental expert, that's her background. And um, even though we do do our business <laughs> stuff too. So right. it, it's like, we all kind of bring this lens and there's just probably so many other things and it's just, it's just really exciting. It's really energizing to talk to you guys and about the things that are being done. And yeah, I want to go, I want to end this so I can go right down. Like, okay, we should talk to them. We should talk to them. And don't forget yeah. to them. We'll make this introduction and like overwhelm you guys. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. We, uh, you know, again, like I said earlier, for me, it's very frustrating when I look at the social media, are you over here in Mexico? Mm -hmm. Are you over here in Ireland or, or, you know, all over the world, you know? And unfortunately, uh, we're not there in a lot of places. But uh, again, I think this coming year, God willing, it'll be a great year and things will be more back to normal, you know? And you saying that, I'm just going to like reiterate what I said earlier is the consumers don't need to ask Ecopod to be there. They need to ask the places they shop to contact Ecopod. Right. So on social media, you guys are very active in checking it and look at this. So go to Ecopod and tag places in the comments or in the pictures or on the, the retailer side, tag Ecopod in that and like make some traction around this instead of like, cause you, you need the middleman to, uh, sure. to solve sure. this problem. Ecopod has a solution and now you need to connect the solution to the person who can like more kind of implement it day to day. Yes. Agree. I think it's a call to action for all of our listeners and your family and your friends to go at ecopod underscore kiosk yes. and tag on the photos all of the businesses that you love and know, the grocery stores, the auto places, maybe the baby food industry, Walmart, like tag pet, Walmart. Pet, tag yeah, pets, pet shampoos and pets this and that's that. It's, you know, you can use it everywhere. Yeah. So tag your, um, where you want to see an ecopod. I, I want to see it in the whole UC school system. It just should be. So I'm going to go ahead. I, I, and I will tag my alma mater, University of San Diego. If you're listening, you need to be That's exactly what I was like. That I feel like that's like a. I don't know. 
Leia. That's the word I was thinking of. Yeah, we sometimes, uh, you know, we say, God, if we could only get in front of the CEO of so and so company, if they only knew, because sometimes these folks have so many other generals that call them or executives be below them, and they never get that information or it doesn't get to the board of directors who actually operate these companies and oversee the dividends and all that stuff. Well, you know, um, I, I think that that's very important, you know, that if we could have the doors opened and at least say, listen, because we're willing to deliver it, we have the ability to even provide it for free for them to test it. As a pilot, say, look, pick any store, pick any one of your facilities, we'll leave it there. And, and I think another great opportunity, which I'm sure you probably already thought of, but it's another call to action to consumers who live, the community in which they live and vote, where there's a town council and a community planning group, and all those things, go to your business association, whether it's your Main Street Association, your Chamber of Commerce, or your town council, or wherever it is, to the businesses and say, hey, businesses, if we were to just pool our resources, we could have an ecopod. I'm thinking of my community in particular. I could have an ecopod on one corner in Ocean Beach, San Diego, and yeah. think of how much plastic waste that would reduce at at that location. Yeah. And it's a very dense, densely populated community. And if you go to city council, you know, like at San Diego City Council or your community planning group. The mayor that just got inducted, uh, sworn in, Todd Gloria. We can tag him. Todd, yeah. Tag Todd Gloria. And, sorry, and what I want to kind of touch back on something, um, Henry. You were saying we, what is it when these doors open and you get in front of the right people? What resistance? Like we kind of talked about this, but what is some of the pushback like? Because to us, it seems like a no-brainer, but I'm sure people have said no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's more no than yes. <laughs> you know, uh, there's all kinds of things. There's first of all. You know, I, I think with humans, fear is, is a big, big deal. And they get feared, the uh, fear of their bosses not wanting to innovate. Uh, and it's just easier to say no, because then they see more work in trying to prove that the system is good for for them. Then not necessarily, you know, they're kind of like a racehorse. You know, they have those things on the side and they don't think outside the box, right. you know. Uh, so... Uh, that's a big thing. And then getting through them, through them, through them, through them to get to the person that finally makes the decision, you know, like the guy on top of the mountain kind of thing. And almost getting there is almost impossible. Uh, we've been able to, to do it uh, in a lot of cases. Um, obviously, uh, for them, again, it's an issue of, well, um, how is this going to impact us financially? How is this, you know, and it's sad because they're choosing one thing over the other and the environment's more important than any of these other issues that they're concerned about. Uh, but they're not thinking out of the box. You know, that, that's really the biggest challenge. And again, even if we tell them, listen, we'll give it to you for free. It's a present. Uh, you know, it's uh, you don't even have to return it. They're still hesitant to yeah. do it. it it's incredible. Yeah. Oh, I just had a genius idea. Sorry. Like I said, we should stop the podcast and then do some uh, BD brainstorming because a guest we had on here earlier, Dr. Bronner's, they're a certified B Corp. And sure. so it's actually their stakeholder focused business. And so it's already, they're um, headquartered in Escondido, California. Escondido, right? Vista. Vista? Vista. Mm -hmm. North County. Somewhere up there. It's in all the floors together. But 
that's like part of their model and like packaging and, and reduction has been a huge challenge for them. And we had their director of sustainability on their podcast who was in charge of updating the packaging. So Darcy awesome. um, would be a wonderful connection for you guys. And yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, it'd be good for you guys even to, to keep the, to, 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 to learn how this process is and, and the interactions with these companies so you can even see the challenges, you know, that they might, you know, they might put because it just changes. You know what? It's a great thing, but it's disruptive to them. Right. So, well, that's All what I was thinking with B Corps. It's like B Corps, certified B Corps. It's already in their mission to do what you're trying to do, which is to reduce plastic streamlines. So they're incentivized to make things better when it comes to their waste reduction. Right. That's true. So that is like kind of the low hanging fruit. And and that's another thing is like, you know, you're talking about these companies who are shareholder focused and they need to get the biggest returns they can each quarter. And so they don't really necessarily, their incentive isn't necessarily on innovation in reducing plastic, but like who, who are the people that you, that can drive this change? Is it the CEOs? Is it the board members? Like yeah, I, it's definitely up there, but I think they also have to get pushed by local government. You know, I, I, I think that, and the kids, you know, the kids are very, uh, I think they have a, a huge amount of power uh, because this is a social responsibility you know, that uh, that they're facing. And it's going to affect their, you know, the, their futures. If it's affecting us and it's only been around for less than 50 years, you can imagine, as we spoke earlier. Right. So I, I think um, to answer your question, yeah, look, the directors and all of those folks are definitely it's important uh, about it um, because there might be one that that this is something they can make more money on. You know what they're focused on by making an initial investment and how it's going to work out in a few years down the road because they did change their uh, their tooling system. You know, we've come to the point where we've said, listen, you know, maybe to expand what we have to do, Matt, is tell them, listen, why don't you guys sell us truckloads of head and shoulders and tie and all of that stuff. And we'll pay you for it, just like we're another supermarket and we'll dispense it through our through our systems. Well, why wouldn't they do that? You know, at the end of the day, we're going to pay for it, you know. Uh, and so we, we have that model that we put in front of them so they don't have any excuses to say no. Yeah, that's, that reminds me of like a, a traditional vending machine. Yeah, right. Yeah. You're buying it's the like, stickers and the Kit Kats and whatever to go into it. You know, right. send us a tractor trailer full of this product and that product and this, and we'll pay for it and we'll dispense it. You know, the machines will be branded with your label and, and your brand equity. And you, you get brand equity yeah. just like you were anyway. So, right. with, you know, sometimes it's really hard to comprehend why the answers are no, uh, but we're going to keep on whacking at yeah. it. Yeah, and we yeah. do. You know, the good news is, twenty twenty one, we are going to be in retail. So sometimes it just takes the first, you know, company to take that leap of faith, and you know, you know, God willing, it's going to go great, and a lot yeah. of people will see it, and that will start a domino effect with some of these other players. Yeah, because these the same store that we're talking about is probably going to contact these other companies. They're going to say, "Hey, listen, we're a big account of yours. Why ain't you doing this?" You know, this is great. 
Uh, and then they're going to be put in a, what's a rock in a hard place? Is that how you say it? Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking that. I was like, I look forward to the day when you guys don't have time for us. I think it'd be, you know, consumers, we, we believe that consumers can vote with their wallet. So obviously consumers are going to make a lot of noise. If you're a shareholder in a company, you have a power to make a lot of noise as well. Yes. And, and if you um, have a 401k account or retirement account, please contact your broker and ask where the 401k investments are being made because you can also communicate to them that you want your investments to be in green funds or green impact funds by certified ESG companies, environmental, social, and governance companies. Because Ecopod is a key strategy in, in your ESG reports and attracting capital and investment as, you know, as a company itself. And so I just think that there's many points of discussion that businesses and consumers, shareholders, investors, retirement fund managers, all these people, and I hesitate with like contacting local government because obviously we're in California and we're super highly regulated. Um, they often can't um, advocate for one brand or one development yeah, or whatever because they have to be non-biased. But you as a consumer can be as biased and opinionated as you want to. You That's as true. a shareholder can be as biased and opinionated as you want to. So it's in your hands, listeners, to specifically recommend Ecopod Kiosk. To Ecopod underscore kiosks is um, the Instagram handle if you can't see our screen right now. Um, so that's the one hour of our podcast today. Again, like Jessa said, I hope that you get to a point where you don't have time for us anymore. Yeah. But um, we'd love to continue these conversations. So let's end with our three-point landing, your three key takeaways that you want our listeners to remember about Ecopod moving forward. Terrific. And before I do that, Laura and Jess, we love the way you guys think. Thank you so much Thank for, you for having us because um, it's been a great hour. It's gone very fast. Yes. As all good things do. Um, the the point landing would be this. Think of the acronym, you know, EPA. And of course, we all know that's Environmental Protection Agency. Well, in ours, it's more Environment Protect Action or you know, the, the, the way to even drill down farther is the E for, is for education. Education, you know, is, is paramount. A lot of people know there's a plastics problem, but I don't really think they understand the depth of the problem, that it is a health crisis and that we all need to be very cognizant and do something. The personal responsibility is everybody always asks, I'm one person, what can I do? Well, what they can do is get personally committed to making a change in some of their own habits beyond recycling to do to try refill technology when it's made available and then finally it's the action it's living it you know on a daily basis and making sure you know that uh they make it a part of their daily regimen and adopt the refill technology yeah. and i'd like to add something uh a lot of folks that are listening now don't recognize that they do have the power to reach out to the communications departments of these public companies and have a voice and say listen i want to divest out of this and go into this kind of stuff because this is really the voice that they have is is is, is important because the companies run off of them that's great here, here. thank yeah. you guys this thank is you awesome. have a great afternoon thank you thank you Bye. send it jessa Thanks for listening and visit astellar.co. That's A-S-T-E-L-L-A-R.co for reference materials from the podcast and to connect with Jessa and Laurel.
Foxhole Studios specializes in audio production and can work remotely to meet your audiovisual needs whether you live in San Diego or not. Getting a podcast started? Contact the team at info at foxholestudios.com for any and all inquiries.